This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here. Go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. And again, man, two times in a row in the same day, we have really upped the intellect of the podcast. We've got Mr. Mike Stromso with us. We have outpunted our coverage once again. <laughs> What's going on, man? It's all good. Uh, everything is well. Uh, doing fantastic. I'm uh, privileged and honored to be with you today. Thank you for reaching out. And uh, let's see if we can uh, share some gold nuggets with people that they can take in what we call implement, execute, take action in their agency business or their business period. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So right before we went live, we were talking about the fact I saw that you had posted that 35 years in the business is a proud independent insurance agent. Talk a little bit about your background and what got you going. You know, uh, I grew up in the restaurant business. I started working on my dad's restaurant when I was, I uh, went to him when I was 12. Uh, and said, Dad, would you give me a job? And he said, I'll give you a job under one condition. And I said, um, I said, what is it? He goes, you have to work harder than everybody else here. And if you don't work harder than everybody else here, I'm going to fire you. And as long as you're good with that, you can have the job. I said, I'll take the job. But that was my first injection that hard work equals income, which equals freedom. And so after that injection, I learned to work really, really hard. Uh, grew up, went into the produce business, went back to the restaurant business because the produce place closed. And then I had a couple of kids. I was actually in my early 20s and uh, I was uh, identifying that the restaurant business was seven days a week and that wasn't <laughs> mm-hmm. that much. And it was starting to affect the family. So I had to maybe figure out something else I want to do with my life. And I got an invitation to go to work in an insurance agency. And I'm like, insurance agents, are you freaking crazy? Get away from me. So anyway, uh, it was about a year or so that the back and forth happened. And every time, hey, we're closed on the weekend. We go home at five o'clock. And I was hearing that and identifying that with relation to the family. And uh, finally, 12-1, 1986, I jumped into the insurance agency business and haven't looked back since. And it's been a great ride. So that's quite the difference in in industries. Like, was it somebody <laughs> that you knew? How, how how'd you end up making that transition? I mean, that's almost my story, right? Kind of. yeah. Except I was Cl- I was, close, I was yeah. grocery stores, right? Yeah. So anyway, yeah, it was actually my dad. I went to work for my dad, uh, and 
at that time in 1986. Oh, okay. No so your dad that had the restaurant was then an insurance in, in the insurance industry. Correct. He had a bad partner uh, in the restaurant business, uh, and that's why they didn't succeed in the restaurant business. And we were actually living in Northern California at the time. And, uh, you know, he went to work for Prudential selling life insurance policies at night and on the weekend, and he was never home. And he thought the insurance business is a good business, but this not being home at nights and on the weekends is not a good thing for the family. So he actually ended up with a PNC, in a PNC agency uh, back then in the 1970s. Uh, and at that point, that was probably about 75, and uh, my grandfather passed away. Now, the thing to know is the area that I live in now in Southern California, about an hour north of San Diego, is my grandparents bought land in the town that I actually live in in 1944. Hmm. So a long time ago, uh, and then my, my dad actually planted the land uh, with avocados with my uh, grandpa, you know, their hands, 32 acres. And so it was in his heart and soul. Uh, and so my grandfather passed away. My grandmother was there. The guy that took care of the ranch, as we affectionately call it for all those years, had to retire due to health reasons. And so there my grandmother was. My dad had just transitioned out of the restaurant business, so he really hadn't started anything yet. So we all moved down here. So I got moved in the middle of my high school years, and uh, here we are. So 32 we acres of avocado is I, you a know, lot 32, of avocado. 32 avocado trees is a lot of avocado. <laughs> yeah. I can't even imagine Thirty-two Holy acres God. planted by hand. Yeah. So are the avoc- are the avocados still there? They are. Well, uh, about twelve acres of them are. Uh, the rest has been developed because uh, we live in one of the best weather places on the planet. I, I know mm-hmm. you all live in a great weather place as well. So uh, whatever whatever coast you want to go to, right? Yeah. Where? Tell me where you are now, Mike. About an hour north of San Diego. Oh, okay. Cool deal. Yeah, I loved it out there. I was out there for innovation back in January in people when, when I, I didn't hear it before I went out there, but when I came back, people called it the Tampa of the West. And it's weird. Cause we actually talked about this on a different podcast. Mm-hmm. When I got off the plane and got into the hotel and got checked in and got up to my room and I looked out over the water, I'm like, man, this feels like home. Except yeah, you have way better Mexican food, way better. <laughs> Well, you know, uh, one of the things when I actually ran a restaurant for three years, it was kind of the last thing I did before the insurance business. So one of the smartest things I did when I was in that restaurant business uh, is I hired a cook who used to be a cook in the Mexican army. Oh, really? So uh, if you ever want to come out to the house, uh, you guys have an open invitation. Come to the house. I'll make you chili ranos from scratch. Oh, my gosh. That's my favorite. I, I know how to make carnitas, the real kind of carnitas with the fresh green sauce. So. Let me know when you're ready. You know what? It's funny too, man, because rellenos are not something that's really easy to make unless you know what you're doing. There's, yeah, but they are super easy. You can you can mess them up with the with the egg dipping and all of that. So you know, if you're gonna come this way, if you can stop over in New Mexico, and here's what I need: I need hatch. <laughs> what is it? Hatch chilies. Hatch chilies. Got it. You know, I've got friends that have roots in New Mexico and they live in Colorado now. And that's one of the things they always talk about is getting their peppers from their family in New Mexico. Interesting. Just the climate out there grows them differently or it's got to be. I don't know. They grow other other stuff in Colorado. (laughs) Taking up room from the pepper crops. New Mexico. Yeah. So, Yeah. yeah. 
Um, I'm a fire ready aim guy. So I, I don't know about uh, why the weather or anything like that. All I know is they're there and I'm going to grab some so I can get done what needs to get done. Nice. I hear you. I hear you. So you had your agency, you jumped in in 86 working with your dad. Talk a little bit about the progression from that. I mean, how, what was that dynamic like? And, and how long was it? Were you with your dad until he did, he was time for him to leave the industry and you took over the agency? Did you start your own gig? How did, how did that work? Uh, all of the above. So uh, I'll try to make this fairly concise. So uh, our last child was conceived after I jumped into the insurance agency business. And uh, because I was in the insurance agency business and it was commissioned, I didn't have any money and I hadn't earned the right to have more money yet. And I had to figure out how to pay for our daughter. So what did I do? I went back to the restaurant business and I took a second job on the nights at nights and on the weekends uh, in a place called the back alley, uh, not too far from our house, flipping burgers and cooking to earn some extra money to pay the hospital bill. Cause I went to the hospital and said, how much is this going to cost in about seven months? And they said, if you can write us a check in full of 3000 bucks, that's what it's going to cost. And so my goal is 3000 bucks. Hmm. I went out to this place in a, in a metropolis now, and it wasn't then called Temecula, which is about 22 miles from our house. And they said, this is going to be the next booming area. And so I'm working at this place called the back alley inside of a bowling alley. And all these people were coming into the back alley after work and they were all the movers and shakers in this up and coming area. And so I can talk to people pretty easily. So I got to know them. So looking back then I got to know the right people through building relationships. And so after a while I thought, you know what, I'm going to rent an office in this area since I've met all these people and I'm going to start doing my own insurance gig alongside of everything else I'm doing. And so I went to my dad and I said, Hey, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm doing. And he goes, Hey, go for it. And the thing is my dad was one of my best friends. So very fortunate for that. So I just kind of doing that and building the, the business out in that area for a period of about five, six years. And I finally went to him and I said, Hey, what do you think about me doing my own gig? Because uh, the town that I live in and the town the agency was in is a small sleepy town. It's a main street town. Everybody wants to come in and plop down and shoot the breeze for a couple hours, which was not what I was after. And he goes, hey, go for it. Let's keep in touch. Let's, you know, grow together and learn together. And so I did. I started on my own from scratch uh, in the late 1990s. And uh, I, I busted it. I busted it. I busted it. I had a couple of good company relationships that I immediately got an appointment because I was the sales guy. That's what I do. And they knew I knew how to sell, so I got the appointments. Uh, but then the biggest turning point of my uh, evolution so far was uh, I started learning about marketing. And um, I went to a marketing conference, and I'm sitting there in the audience, and I'm going, oh, my gosh, these people have already got it figured out. And I'm thinking to myself, all right. Everything that I want to learn that I'm trying to learn, these people already got it figured out. What should I do? I'm just going to take what they've already figured out and implement. So at that point, I became a massive implementer. And I started implementing, 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 and all of a sudden, the business started to grow. So six or seven months later, I was able to hire somebody. I hired somebody. Uh, I made another great hire uh, shortly after that. I made another really solid hire after that. And the agency that I kind of started from scratch started to grow. 
And then I really started implementing the marketing aspects of all of it. And then I learned about, you know, the team leadership and the whole aspect. So we grew a thousand percent in less than nine years. Um, you know, part, part of that was the sleepy little agency that my dad had in, the, in that town. A funny side note. So this marketing that I learned about, one of the things that I learned, one of the first things I learned was about social proof. Because it's not what we say we've done for other people. It's what other people say we've already done for them. Okay. So when you can answer the question, because the question is, why should people do business with you over and above any and all other options available to them? It's how you answer that question and what you answer that question with that makes all the difference. So I learned back then to start collecting testimonials. Okay. I'm just sorry about that. And so I started collecting testimonials right off the gate and they were coming really easily. And I'm going, wow, look who these people are thinking and feeling about their experience with our agency. So I took the testimonials and I put them on a piece of paper and the, and the color in the marketing industry that is the preeminent uh, response mechanism trigger color is goldenrod. So I put them all on a goldenrod piece of paper and I started putting the testimonials behind the quotes that I was, I don't know if you guys have heard of this, it's historical, a fax machine. <laughs> I, I, used, I was putting the testimonials behind the quotes that I was faxing out and then I created a guarantee, a singular page written guarantee. It was nothing super special other than if you're not happy, we'll cancel the policy and you'll get back the unused portion of the premium. But it was put in a way that looked sexy and, and nobody else was doing it. So I put the testimonials and the guarantee behind these fax quotes. My response ratio went up over 31%, like almost overnight. And I'm going, oh my God, this stuff is working. So then hmm. I created a referral program. Then I created a welcome kit series and the whole nine yards and I mean, this is back at the turn of the century. So uh, we just keep have implemented marketing, 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 and the rest is history. So uh, a cool little fun story is uh, in the late 90s, I was talking to my dad and my dad goes, you know, you're growing like mad. What are you doing? I said, well, I got this marketing stuff going on and I'm collecting testimonials and I've got a guarantee and I got a referral program. He goes, I want to see some of it. So I showed it and he goes, that stuff's not going to work. I said, I love you, Dad. Good luck, man. <laughs> so, anyway, so I, I stopped by the office unannounced one afternoon because I bailed out early to go home because I still live in the small town. So uh, I stopped by the office unannounced and I said, hey, guys, how you doing? Just want to stop in and say, hey. And I said, what's that stuff back on the back desk over there? It was a bunch of testimonial forms. They were <laughs> testimonials. And I looked at him and I said, I thought you said that stuff wasn't going to work. So anyway, um, you know, the worst thing that could have happened, happened. Uh, we lost my dad at the end mm. of 2000 to cancer. Um, mm. It was a, it was a major bummer. Uh, so uh, I guess if anything came out of that, we were able to talk and collaborate about, I was able to buy his agency book. So I folded it into our agency as well. Uh, it was a smaller agency book, but we had an agreement, uh, made sure my mom got all the money that she needed to take care of her uh, before she passed. So that's a little historical on it and where I came from. But uh, so, you know, we, we continue to build the agency. We build it really quick, learned a ton. And now we've uh, fast forward uh, to where we're at today. Uh, we have put ourselves in a position to scale. Uh, we were at one point licensed in 31 states. We've scaled back because of the commercial accounts that we had that required that. Uh, they got so big, they took their insurance program in-house. We taught them how to do it. And they brought it in-house. 
So right now we're at 13 states. We have a specific plan. We have a very strong leadership team in our agency, which in my humble opinion is uh, at the top of the list as far as the strengths of our insurance agency business. We have plans. Uh, we uh, know where we're going. Uh, we have, uh, I know this is an audio situation, but you know, uh, this is, this is my plan sheet. Uh, we know exactly where we're going. Uh, I look at my goals consistently all the time. Uh, you know, we've got a one-year plan, we've got a three-year picture and we've got a 10 year target. We know exactly where we're going all the time. So it's become a lot of fun. Uh, and, uh, we just can't wait to grow and, and, to the uh, kudos of one of my teammates, uh, one of our leadership team people, we were collaborating earlier um, this year, and, and we said, uh, you know that thing we – and she goes, you know we always say let's go? She goes, I've got a new twist to that. I said, what is it? She goes, let's go. I said, I love that. So what we say around the office now is we don't say let's go. We say let's grow, and and that's our goal. So um, it, it's been a fun ride. So you have other business interests besides just the agency, right? Don't you have a, a training program or a group of like a giant mastermind? Or why don't you talk about that for a little bit? So in, in the evolution of getting to know more people in the industry and outside of the industry, and I will suggest that uh, I learned just as much and no, do, with all due respect to our awesome industry. I mean, I am privileged and, and fortunate to have jumped into the insurance industry 35 years ago. But, um, you know, I've learned a ton outside of the industry, for instance, about marketing and business leadership. So because of of those connections and everything else, uh, it led to a lot of uh, doors. And I'll suggest probably about a decade ago, uh, somebody said to me, said, Mike, we've identified that you've done a lot and you've grown very quickly. How did you do it? And I said, well, it was easy. You just do this, this, and this. And they said, can you teach us? I said, teach you? I said, I've never thought about it. I don't know how I would do it. And they said, well, why don't you think about it and let us know? And so they kept kept after us. And uh, I, I said, you know, I haven't figured anything out. Get back to me. And so they kept after us. And finally, I said, if they're that interested, maybe I should think about this. So I was getting ready to jump on a plane from San Diego to Chicago for a training event. And I thought, you know what? I've got nothing to do on this plane ride. I'm going to figure that out. A good three and a half hours of quiet time. For me, it's a great place to think. And so I thought, you know, I'm just going to write down on a blank piece of paper, you know, regardless of our past, we have a spotless future. Turn the page. You got a blank page. That's your future. It's unlimited, my friends. So anyway, I thought on that blank page, I'm just going to write down all the topical things that I know here on my head and my heart that I can teach, and I'll see if I've got anything. By the time I got to O'Hare, I had 69 items on that list. Mm. And I said, wow, I, I guess I know a little bit. Maybe I can share it. And so I started doing uh, you know, one-day events, and I started doing other opportunities to help people, and uh, people started coming. And all of a sudden we were doing four events a year and then we did a large event, you know, six, seven years ago and more people were coming. And so that's when we kind of identified that maybe we have something. Long story short, today uh, we do uh, one big event a year and then off of that we we do have coaching programs where people can jump in. We have four different levels where people can jump in depending on how fast they want to grow basically. 
But uh, we've got a team that uh, helps with that as well. Uh, and there's nothing better than teaching and inspiring other people that want to be taught and inspiring. And ultimately, if you said, Mike, what's been the greatest thing that's happened out of all of that? It's one word. It's impact. And and we're impacting people's lives personally and professionally. I mean, I just got off a coaching call. I, I spent about 45 minutes helping somebody design their entire 21 marketing thought process, the top level thought process for their internal team and for their referral programs and some other contributories on how they're going to support their communities all in one session. And it ended up being just two words. And that was the beauty of it. They go, this is so simple. We've been brainstorming about this for a week. We couldn't come to it. And here in this, we just figured it out just like that. I said, and sometimes there's value in people from the outside because sometimes when we're too close to it, we can't see it. Sure. Somebody from the outside, especially somebody who's in the trenches. And the question always is, why you? Well, my answer is I've been there, done that, and still doing it. And because I'm in the trenches every day experiencing the the wins and the lessons is what we, we call them, uh, it, it's easier to see. So it's become really, really cool. You know, we, we've got a large event. We have uh, within our most popular program, we have two mastermind sessions a year. We have a string of other six coaching sessions throughout the year that's in combo with that. Plus, they get one-on-one calls with me and a lot of other cool stuff. We have now built in an accountability piece, which really excites me so because uh, ultimately, at the end of the day, high achievers in the world want accountability. So, Absolutely. I agree with that wholeheartedly. And unfortunately, accountability is missing from most of society today. I've noticed. <laughs> yeah. yeah well i mean you don't have to be sherlock holmes at this point right i mean i have a kid in high school you can figure it out pretty quick that's that, that was my deal but i mean that that's exciting stuff man and it's amazing what can happen on a plane ride from san diego you know for any distance of three hours or greater because i had a similar experience leaving san diego in january you know and cool stuff it's interesting you know between the the restaurant stories and what you, you know, sort of how you've grown quickly and people asking you how you've been able to do that. And you not really having self, and I wouldn't say self-belief, just something you hadn't really thought of before. You're basically describing everything I've been through in the last four years, you know, for all practical purposes. And I've never been one who thought, oh, I have an interest in working with other agents. I have another in- an interest in helping other people. I, I like running my agency and producing for myself. But I have to tell you, man, after having people come through our, our commercial training program and, and walking them through and, and teaching agents who had never sold anything more than a normal home and auto policy, and now they're out writing $250,000, $300,000 premium accounts like it's nothing, that's as rewarding to me as anything else is, if not more so. And I, I told somebody earlier today when I was talking to him, you know, I played baseball my entire life, all the way through college, and it felt awesome when I hit a home run. But I never felt the way that I felt when my oldest son hit his first home run or he hit a home run. I always had a better feeling and was more proud of that than I was my own accomplishments. And until you put yourself in a position where, you're sharing knowledge that you've gained with other people 
and it actually works for them the way that it's intended to work for them because they have made it a commitment to execute what you've taught. You don't understand that. But once you do, it's addictive, man. Dude, I, I've got a uh, – sorry, I didn't mean to – I feel like – I feel like we're separated at birth since you just dropped some of that uh, information about yourself. So I'm so glad we came together. So at the end of the day, um, you know, one of the people in our programs was at 2 million four years ago. Now they're at 16 million. Mm. Wow. So you're, you're right. There is nothing better than somebody else's success. And if you have a hand in it, impacting people's lives personally and professionally is what it's all about. And, you know, so many stories within all of our, uh, we call them UPP circles, where this success in business goes over to their personal lives. I mean, you know, I was I was collaborating with one of our Platinum Coaching members recently, and their issue was, oh, we're building a dream house and a vacation getaway site. And we got an acquisition on the table. We're not sure if we want to do both at the same time. Well, my position was, I got to help you do both at the same time because you can. But the fact, and they got to that dream house situation because of they implemented what we teach. And how awesome is that? And bigger than that, back to the kids. I mean, we've got six kids. So our oldest son has now authored two books. So good for, and he's got his own consulting business on the side. He did, he did you know who Napoleon Hill is? Mm-hmm. So, he did the Napoleon Hill thing. He's a high, he's a high school football coach by passion, but now he's in the administ- He's a principal of a high school now, just because he needs to support his family. But his goal he has he's got a goal to go back to high school football coaching. So uh, a few years ago, he wanted to learn how to be a better high school football coach because he was doing it on the side at the time, and we were talking about it and collaborating about it. And he said, "You know what I'm going to do." I'm going to find out how the most successful high school football coaches in the nation became so successful. I said, what are you going to do? He goes, I'm going to call them all up. I said, good for you. Let me know how I can help you. He went out and he contacted the most successful coaches in the nation and he got them on the phone and they were happy to talk about their success. So he wrote a book all about that. I mean, I was like, yes, that is freaking awesome. So, um, you know, because of that, um, and I don't know if you've done your book yet, David, but anyway, uh, maybe a good opportunity. Uh, long story short, uh, I was in Hollywood with our son, Chris. Um, you know, Junior Seau's death was tragic, um, but Chris was invited uh, to be on the uh, ESPN movie about Junior's life, and we were invited to the Hollywood pre-opening. And we're sitting there in this little theater in Hollywood uh, with all these players. But I will suggest that, you know, his rise is in part to that work he did there. So, you know, ultimately, at the end of the day, uh, you know, the law of reciprocity is always in effect to summarize what we we're just talking about. I mean, you know, if somebody comes to me and says, hey, how can I do this? I said, well, the first thing we need to think about is how can we give? How can we give? Because it's the giving, starting with the giving and that heart and mindset, heart set and mindset is what we talk about that really will, you know, open the opportunity. So good stuff. 
I agree. And I mean, I think in my experience, which pales in comparison to yours, but in working with other people, one of the things that I've noticed is a lot of times people just need somebody who believes in them, you know, and it's not that they don't have self-belief, but it wavers a little bit. And, you know, if you can get somebody to understand and, and whether that be through incremental wins and setting goals that they achieve, and then you celebrate those successes and expand on them from there or whatever it may be, people, people don't have the type of self-belief um, that they need in many cases when they come to us. And that's an easy fix. You know, in my opinion, let them go out and win one time. There you go. Believe in yourself. Nice. But, but more importantly, be you, you, because the great thing about that is nobody can trump that. And so you know, another little fun story is uh, I was down at a marketing event um, learning how to, you know, do better at uh, helping other people. Uh, and I was riding back on the plane and I, it was in this. I can drop it. I can drop the name of the airline. You were, you were in your thinking space. Hey, you can say whatever you want, man. You're good. OK, cool. So I was on the Southwest two seat and I love the Southwest two seat because you got that extra seat and you can fold down the the, the tray and all this, I can spread myself out and I'm working, I'm working. So we had to stop over in Houston. And so uh, I'm about half 30 minutes from Houston. The guy sitting next to me goes, you know, can I ask you a question? I said, yeah, what is it? He goes, I just got to know, what do you do? I, I said, well, I started telling him, I said, well, I'm coming home. I just got interviewed by Kevin Harrington, the shark on shark tank. And, and Fort- yeah, he's the guy from home shopping network here in St. Pete. Yeah. Yeah. So Kevin, he spoke at our boot camp uh, a couple of years ago, so uh, I've got a relationship with him. If you ever need an introduction, let me know. So anyway, so I got interviewed by him uh, down in Florida, and I was coming home, and I'm working on it. And he goes, "Wow, that's awesome." He goes, "Tell me more." And so we got we landed on the ground in Houston. I said, "Hey, I got a gift for you," and I carry these around. And so I said, "Dude, there is only one thing standing between you and everything you want in this world, and it's right there." It's right there in what we affectionately call the mirror of truth. And he goes, that's the best marketing piece I've ever seen. Now, here's the key for everybody. When somebody, remember back to testimonials in the early days of it's what other people say you've already done for you, not what you say you've done for other people, right? So I said, well, thank you for the kind words. That is awesome. Would you mind if I grabbed a quick recording of your thoughts right now? And he goes, right here on the airplane? I said, as soon as we land... I'm going to get down like right between the seats and, and I'll just say, go and just say whatever you comes to your mind and your heart. And he goes, okay, I can do it. I have the video. So, <laughs> That's all. I, I mean, it's those little moments that, that you got to capture because that moment will never come back again. Agreed. So ultimately at the end of the day, um, you know, it's a mirror of truth. And, you know, it, I get a lot of, uh, you know, younger people in business that come my way and I'm grateful for it. And they say, where should I start? Hands down. Every time I say the first thing that you need to work on to begin with, and you've got to make sure that you habitually do it every single day is yourself. Makes sense. I agree. I say something not necessarily the same, but my, my comments are that it's never the process. It's always the person, right? So in our industry, if you have a process and it's proven and it's replicable, if something breaks in that process, it's usually on the execution side because somebody didn't execute appropriately. So 
Kyle, Kyle is going to probably want us to get a mirror of truth for our office at this point. So Absolutely. That we can, what we should do is have everybody stand in front of it and talk about what they need to work on right before they come into sales meeting every week. <laughs> that would be good. Put it right next to the bell. <laughs> yeah, there's plenty that of room right there next to the bell. That would be awesome. So listen, you, you brought up giving, and that's actually what brought us together. I want to be respectful of your time. I know you have something backing up to this. But I do want to get into the things that you and your agency and your business are doing to give back in your community. Because one of the things, and this goes even back to the episode we had with Bob Klinger, you know, so many agencies are doing so much awesome stuff. And I don't know of any other industry where there's such a giving spirit that has the ability to give and then they actually go do it. So why don't you talk a little bit about some of the things you've done in your community to um, give back? Okay. I want to get my eyes on the time. So um, I'm not going to let you go over. I promise. No, no, I, I'm good with that. But I mean, I've got so much to share uh, and so little time as it's been said. Right. So, and I, I'm happy to jump on in the future and we need to dig deeper in this. I'm totally open to that because I hope, I hope if anybody listening to this, just picks up one, two, or three ideas, and most importantly, does something with them, then it's a win. I mean, it's been worth our time, absolutely. So um, back to the referral program, which was the third thing that I started after testimonials and a guarantee in the marketing realm in the insurance agency business. Uh, We're always, and I won't go into how it developed out of an idea in giving back to somebody else. Our referral program actually was born because I was in a networking group and, and this loan guy was giving me referrals and I was, I was closing deals, closing deals. And I'm going, I'm feeling in my heart, well, I need to give back to Jim. Dude, giving and I'm not giving back. What can I do for Jim? Well, the lottery was really hot at that time. So I said, I'm going to send Jim some lottery tickets and said, Jim, thanks so much for the referrals. Good luck. And I saw him like a week or two later and he goes, Hey man, thanks for the lottery tickets. Guess what? I said, what? He goes, I want 116 bucks. I said, that's freaking awesome. And I said, my mind's going, what can I do next? What do I do next? I said, hey, Jim, can we get a picture after the meeting? He goes, yeah, no problem. We'll hold up some money and I'll, I'm, I don't know how I'm going to use it. He goes, do whatever you want with it, man. So that was the beginning of the referral program. Fast forward, uh, a couple of years later, we built in a component, a component of the referral program that for every referral, we would make a donation to people's favorite charity. So it's, it's part of our six-step referral checklist in our referral program. The first, the second step is after taking care of the referral is to call the person who referred and say, hey, thank you so much for the referral, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. By the way, I need to verify who your favorite charity is because we're going to make a donation to your favorite charity. And after that started, we started gathering charitable relationship after charitable relationship. We award the checks. We have big checks. Uh, then we would we started a grand prize publisher's clearinghouse type. You may not be old enough to remember publisher's clearinghouse. Oh, no. I know all about Ed McMahon and publisher's clearinghouse. So anyway, uh, we would arrive at people's doors with balloons and the cameras and the whole nine yards and award them. But the biggest win for everything was we significantly increased the donation back to people's favorite charity. And so we would arrive at the charities with the same kind of, uh, you know, event. And all of a sudden people started catching on. And the cool thing about it, and, and this is what makes, warms my heart more than anything else. Other people in the community, other businesses in the community started seeing all this. And they started contacting us. 
can you help us figure out how to implement this in our business? I'm like, of course. So it's created a community of giving, if you will. Um, You know, to fast forward, we've got hundreds of letters from uh, referrers, uh, community charitable organizations uh, that we've built relationships with. Uh, We have specifically designed ways. uh, You know, it's, it's gone all the way to creating specific programs within schools to go in to teach kids about the value of gratitude first and the value of kindness first. Uh, our program director and our marketing director, Andrea White, and, and some of her teammates uh, actually went out to the schools for a period of time uh, in that particular endeavor. Uh, you know, there's we've just got lots of stories of situations where this charitable giving has opened up doors. Uh, you know, I, I walked into a situation a number of years ago to do a grand prize uh, award on a Friday in the middle of a busy Starbucks. And uh, as, when I, you know, when I, when I walked up to the counter and I knew it was her, she was the winner and she didn't know it. And so I'm standing there with Andrea, who's got the camera rolling. And I said, Hey, Kathleen, I'm Mike over at Stromso Insurance. And I just wanted to congratulate you today and let you know that. And I hold up the big check and I said, you're the grand prize winner. And our, you know, we name the referral program every year. I don't remember what it was that year. And our blank the blank referral program, congratulations. And she goes, oh, my God. And it became this big hoop right in the middle of a Starbucks on a Friday morning. Wonderful environment, wonderful experience. And so after she got done with the customer, she came back around the counter. And I said, hey, by the way. We're going to make a uh, significant donation to your favorite charity. And I had the referral slip right there in my hand. And I said, wow, that is amazing. I love that organization. So she goes, let me introduce you to the CEO of the organization. And so I built a relationship with the CEO of the organization. It's a facility for disabled children in our local community. And so I got to know that and got to be involved in that. So um, they're just, you know, one after the other, uh, being able to help in a significant way. It, it's put a lot of these organizations on the radar uh, and help them get more contributions to their cause. We still run the charitable aspect of our referral program to this day. Uh, we now also profile a, a specific charitable organization in our local community every month right now. Uh, we just uh, the one that we just uh, did the award uh, for a couple of days ago uh, went out there. It's a breast cancer support organization, and it's gone from not only being breast cancer, but a complete cancer support organization here in our local community. They just bought a building, and they, they've grown. They're bringing other people in, which are components of the support of people with cancer. Uh, it's become a renowned facility. They're doing great things. We're one of their prime partners in that in support of uh, the next one. Next week, we have uh, one of our partners is called Pause for Laws. Uh, they're a nonprofit that supports uh, our police uh, and our first responders uh, with the animals and so forth. They're coming in next week for a shoot. So it's just using uh, the presence and the relationships to support these people and putting to work everything that we've learned about marketing in support of them. And ultimately, at the end of the day, I mean, there's lots of other ideas that we've got in our funnel here. 
that are going to be developed into the future. I was just pointing to my head if you're listening to audio only. And it's, it's going to be developing into the future. But there's so much opportunity out there. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it really just starts with giving. Uh, the other one that's coming up, uh, this our actual uh, charitable organization this particular month, is a video and production studio for children to teach them how to become better you know, production people in the video and audio realm if that's what they want to do in the world going forward. So uh, a big part of our heart is around kids. I'm also privileged to sit on the foundation board uh, of a boys and girls club in our local community. Uh, that is near and dear to my heart because back when we had nothing, uh, and we didn't get too much deeper into my personal story, but I've been a single dad with three kids for four years. So, you know, they spent a lot of time at the boys and girls club. So that's big on my heart, uh, to be able to be part of that and, uh, to have part of that foundation endowment, uh, in, in our family's name is, is just become really, really huge. So, uh, it's a wonderful thing. And, uh, we c- consistently get called on by, by some of these charitable organizations, that we've built all these relationships with, they come into the office and they say, can we sit down with your marketing team and brainstorm about, you know, our next efforts uh, to win? And, you know, um, there, there's some adversity going on in the world. So we've taken the stance when a lot of that started, we're going to grow through this adversity, not just go through this adversity. So we've helped teach uh, and give input on, you know, online uh, auctions and that kind of stuff on how we can, um, you know, reach the greater good, even though it's not normal. We're just in the next normal. It's not the new normal. It's the next normal. Things have happened over the years, and the human spirit has all always fought through it. So like you said earlier, David, I can't remember your exact words, but you were spot on. We just need to empower people and to help people believe that they can because they can Absolutely. It's interesting because we're the ones who get in the way of our own success, especially with the the classes of business that we focus on. You know, we're looking at accounts that are a quarter to a half million dollars in premium because that's where our value proposition plays. And I, you know, it's actually in the introduction to this podcast, at least a portion of the story is. But people who listen have heard me tell this story several times now, but it goes, and I'll never quit telling it. So if you guys get sick of hearing it, just fast forward. But I was 30 years old, brand new in the insurance industry, sitting in the parking lot of a $750,000 premium account with a meeting booked with the CFO, physically ill, sick to my stomach because I had myself believing I had no business to go in and meet with this person to try and attempt to win their trust and gain this account into my book of business. What it amounted to was me basically saying, suck it up, get in there and close the deal. This person's already validated you belong there by agreeing to meet with you. I'm the one who didn't believe I needed to be there. That CFO already accepted the meeting with me and they were going to treat me just like anybody else that would go in there. Mm -hmm. And that was a defining moment in my career. Once I realized, you know what, this is ridiculous. I'm, I'm getting in my own way. The rest was history at that point. You couldn't pry me out of any of those accounts, you know, but I think everybody has to have that one, that one incident where they push through the barrier and realize it's nowhere near as bad on the other side as what they think it is going to be. 
And then it becomes a little bit easier and a little bit easier. And I'll tell you what the, the story that I would liken it to is I just went out and bought a drone. I, ha- I have a drone that, you know, yes, it's a toy, but now I figured out how I can use it for work. And it actually is a great differentiator at the point of sale. I went to a, a commercial manufacturing facility um, earlier this week, and it was pretty awesome when I said, hey, do you mind if I deploy my drone on your property to uh, get a look at your roof and the AC units up there? But the first time I flew that thing, it was a white knuckle ride, man, because I see $1,000 flying around in the air. Mm-hmm. And I only let it go so far, and then I brought it back. And then I let it go a little bit further, and I brought it back. Nick, Now I'm flying that thing. The, the golf course that I'm a member of is about two minutes from my house, may, not even quite a mile. I was messing with the golfers over the weekend, you know, um, flying over the golf course, videotaping them and all of that other stuff. They didn't even know the drone was there, so I didn't mess up their swing or whatever. But, you know, it's the same thing. You get a little bit of success, so you want to push the envelope a little bit further. You get a little bit more, you push it even further. And, you know, I hope I never quit pushing the envelope. Yeah. The, uh, I've got a question on the drone. Does that, uh, d- does that have that kind of range or did you have to get closer? Like you, you no, could it, be, it has that kind of range. So you could just be at your house flying it over there. Yeah. I could fly it over Buckhorn from my house. Nice. Yeah. That's, that's legit. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. We're going to Key West at the end of January. I'm looking oh, for that'd be cool. There. I'm going to take it out on the fishing boat. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be really cool. And deploy it out in the middle of the ocean and then, you know, tape back at the boat watching us as we're bringing fish in. I think it'll be pretty neat. You got to be really careful there though. Talk about, talk about being nervous. That thing hits the water. You're toast. Yeah. It's only a thousand bucks. Yeah. At that point (laughs) I will have made my money back on it through accounts. I picked up by using it to differentiate myself at the point of sale. That's the other thing, you know, I get on these hot buttons and, I can tell from talking to you, Mike, you, you've got a million catchphrases because I've already heard a bunch of them as we've been talking. Uh, you know, when you say go through adversity as opposed to grow through adversity, I didn't. I know I didn't get the wording right. But one of the things I tell people all the time is you're going in an account and you're competing against your, your peer group. You have one thing in common with all of them, and that's the insurance piece, right? Every one of us can sell insurance. We can place coverage. We're licensed agents. The way you get that deal done is to be uncommon in an uncommon environment well, or be uncommon in a common environment. One of my greatest marketing mentors, if not my greatest marketing mentor uh, years ago, told me, look, look what everybody else is doing to do the exact opposite. But at the end of the day, you know, back to the restaurant business, when I was 12, when I went to my dad for a job, and he, shortly after he, he decided that I was going to survive by working hard, he goes, let me tell you one other thing. I said, what is it? He goes, as you adventure out into the world, you've just got one thing. You've got one thing. If you end up selling, you've got one thing to sell. But the good news is that thing has absolutely no limits. You have complete control of it, and you can improve this as much as you want without limitations. Do you have any idea what it is? And I said, yeah, yourself. Yeah, exactly. Well, I was 13. I didn't know at the point, but he goes, yourself. So you're right. And and to uh, what I was thinking about as I was listening to you share your stories, thank you so much for the encouragement. Everybody puts their pants on the same way, man. It's true. So 100%. You know, uh, they're just people just like we are. You just have, you know, a problem solved is an opportunity for sale. They're just looking for a solution to something. And if you show up with a solution and present it the right way out of grat with gratitude and respect, hey, 
<laughs> yeah, that's that's another one of mine, man. Quit quit selling products and start solving problems. That's right. That's it. It might require you to sell them a product to solve the problem, but that's not what you need to limit your existence to, right? I mean, there's plenty of things that I do that involve intellectual capital and my experience after doing this for 20 years that is just literally me selling my brain. It has nothing to do with the sale of a product. And there's other stuff where, you know, you have to sell insurance to cover the risk appropriately. So I'm going to leave because you've got to go to your next thing, but I'm going to ask you for one thing and I'm interested in what you would say. Both of us came from backgrounds that were gruesome industries, way worse than insurance ever could be. I ran grocery stores. You were in the restaurant business. You know, I understand hard work. I'll never forget at the end of my first year, I was working 50 hours a week as a producer. I was working half as much as I used to work, but twice as much as my competition. And I couldn't believe that the industry was that easy, that literally all you had to do was show up and you'd already, you know, that's half the battle. I don't hire anybody in my agency with any insurance experience whatsoever to be a producer. I only hire people that have business to business sales experience, or they've come from industries where I know that they have to have a good work ethic and we can teach them the insurance piece. That's, that's the easy part. National Alliance, CPCU, those guys have been doing this long enough. It's much, much easier to let them handle it. What's the one piece of advice you would give to somebody coming into our industry that you think would ultimately lead to them being successful? I'll repeat the same thing I said earlier. They've got to work on themselves every single day. Why do you think that's so hard? And, and because they're not disciplined and they don't have, they're not willing to accept any accountability. Case in point, I have an accountability partner. I sit here after all these years, I have an accountability partner. I have three coaches. Of course I don't need any of that, but a failure is not an option in my world. I have an accountability call tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. Pacific. Do I want to prepare for it tonight? No, not all the time. Do I want to get up and be ready for it? No, but I do. And I don't miss them. We've only missed one call this year, and it was because of family vacation situation. Even on vacations, we don't miss. Find somebody to stand by your side. Find somebody to, if you need it, to coach you and to hold you accountable and to help you succeed. You know, somebody positioned me and said, Mike, I've heard you talk about, you know, how you work on yourself and your daily habits and all that kind of stuff. Tell us more about it. I said, and I told them all about it. They go, wow, how long does that take you? I said, I don't know. I've never thought about it. And I said, let me time it and I'll let you know. It was an hour and 15 minutes. And that includes exercise. But it's an hour and 15 minutes to prepare my mind and my heart and everything else that goes around it to be ready for the day. And in today's emerging world with the information superhighway, you know, there's competition out there. And there's a lot of people that talk a pretty good game. So if you're not ready, you're going to get drunk. Will Rogers said, if you just sit there, you're going to get run over. So you cannot just sit there. You've got to continue to work on yourself every day. You have to be you have to be open to being coachable. You have to be open to listening to people who know more than you do and being willing to accept their advice and to run with it. Because it's through those wins and those lessons, the small compound effects of everything, that you're going to be able to learn and have the experience to get to the point where, oh, okay, I got this. Then all you do, you know, it's like wealth. We build it up. And what's our goal? To turn around and give it away. 
Same thing. You learn, get the experience, you get to the point, you start teaching other people. I mean, it's the circle of life. Work on yourself every single day. Be coachable. Be open to learning. The day we stop learning is the day we stop growing. Every single day. And, you know, also, uh, somebody said to me early on in my career, uh, there was an old company, uh, INA, Insurance Company of North America. I think they're a part of Cigna, and I don't know who they're with nowadays. And they said, Mike, you should find a niche. And you should just start working in that niche and do nothing else. I did not listen to them. I wasn't coachable at the moment. I, I became too much of a generalist. I've worked, and we've kind of circumvented the whole circle. But at the end of the day, uh, find something you love. You know, um, Harvey McKay, Swimming with the Sharks is the book. He said, do something you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Okay. So find a portion of the industry, if you're going to be in our industry, that you love, that you're passionate about, that you love serving, that you love working within, you love the people and focus on that. But don't forget the other things that we just talked about as well. And I know that was more than one item, but I hope that helps. You're good, man. You're good. Listen, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your day. I know you're busy. I really appreciate it. It's always good to learn from people who paved the way and have been you know, successful in their own right. I know people are going to want to reach out to you after hearing you. Tell them how to find you. Uh, I'm going to step outside the box. I'm going to give them a private direct number, 951-239-4494. Or you can go to info at unstoppableprofitproducer.com. Info at unstoppableprofitproducer.com. That's two ways to get me. Uh, and the last thing you can do, because I love the power of three, just go to Google. <laughs> type in my name, Mike Stromso, S-T-R-O-M-S-O-E, and it will pull up a couple of pages of good stuff for you. Cool. Good deal, man. Listen, I know you need to run. Thank you so much for taking time with us. It's been a pleasure having you on. Look forward to having you back because Lord knows we can talk for a long time, but hopefully everybody got what they needed to get them through to the next one. And I wish you nothing but continued success. Thanks so much for sharing with us. David, same to you. Kyle, same to you. You guys rock. I've also observed and I look forward to learning more about the incredible things that you're doing for other people out there as well. Thanks, man. Sounds good, Mike. Thanks, man. Take care. You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com. <laughs>